Hi, I'm Keegan Flegner. I'm 17 years old, and I live in Santa Monica, California. When I was in first grade, I was diagnosed as being on the autism spectrum. Since that time, sports have played a huge role in changing my life. So I want to show the world how all kinds of sports can help all kinds of people with all kinds of mental and emotional challenges. Welcome to Sports on the Spectrum. My guest today is Devin Slack. Devin is currently a lifeguard and swim teacher at the Santa Monica YMCA, teaching swimming skills to children ages 3 to 12 as well as adults. Devin was a gymnast for several years, first participating with and then coaching the Intermediate Girls Competition Team at JAG Gym in Culver City, California. Devin also played volleyball for many years, first serving as a captain of her high school volleyball team and then receiving a scholarship to play for a club volleyball team. Devin was recently diagnosed with Attention Deficit Slash Hyperactivity Disorder, also known as ADHD. Please join me in welcoming Devin Slack to Sports on the Spectrum. So Devin, I always like to start off my interviews at the beginning, as I like to call them. By that, I mean the beginning of life. And so I'll start by asking a question I always open a conversation with, which is what are just your very first memories of sports? And it doesn't even have to be like playing them. It can just be sports where you interacted with them in some way, shape or form. Yes. So my earliest memories of sports would be watching my parents play in their flag football teams that they they hosted with their employees. And so going to those like every Saturday, driving out to the valley and watching them play as well as their softball teams. Hmm. All right. That's pretty cool. Actually, I, I don't think I've ever heard um, one of my guests say their first memories had involved their parents actually playing something, um, especially yeah. something like flag football, too. That's uh, that I find is a rarity. But um, that's really cool, actually. Um, I, I guess I would um, follow up quickly and ask, what are kind of your first memories of like you specifically interacting with sports like, you know, not necessarily your parents, but just like you seeing something or doing something that made you feel like, okay, I really like sports now. Yeah. So I would say that that would be when I first started gymnastics and first started consistently practicing and going to practices and more like, uh, like leveling and actually getting achievements in it because beforehand it's, it was just like, you know, once a week sort of thing, you go, you run around the gym, you have mm -hmm. fun, but then you actually start learning skills and you start improving those skills and then you're leveling up and it becomes like, that's where for me, it became so important because I am naturally very competitive. And so mm -hmm. having that like, added bonus to it where oh I'd learn these skills and then I get to move on to the next level and things would get harder and harder yeah no absolutely I could totally relate to you there I myself am also very competitive and mm -hmm. um you know it's a good feeling when you get to do stuff like that where it's like you get to be physically active but at the same time you feel sense of a, a sense of accomplishment when you start to get better at doing certain things and eventually achieving them consistently. And as a result, that leads to even bigger things that make you feel even prouder about yourself. So I, I definitely think that's a great thing to, um, to, to rem be reminiscent of right there. I think that's a, I think I definitely think that's a very good memory to look back on and, and 
defined it as the beginning to something of where you are now, basically. Yeah. And I guess I guess what I'll ask now, um, as kind of it's not stereotypical, but it's just I always find this is helpful to some people is um while you were growing up, what were some of your favorite sports teams or maybe just athletes in general? And why was that the case? You know, was there anybody you idolized or whatever, something like that? Mm-hmm. Growing up, I never really had a like an athlete that I loved. There weren't really sports teams that I followed, but it was one of those things that when sports would come on, especially the funny thing is golf was the main thing that I watched <laughs> growing up because my grandparents are avid golfers. Right. And so we'd always have golf playing like on the TV. So just watching those and being young and for some reason getting excited about golf (laughs) and then like (laughs) always being super excited when the Olympics came around and just always so like there were certain sports that like I was more excited to watch than others so mainly like women's gymnastics men's gymnastics trampoline but then also like I loved the winter Olympics because I, I liked curling for some reason that just caught my, like that caught my attention. I was like, yeah, this is cool. I like curling. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Um, But it's great too. I I totally get you there. You know, sometimes it's like, you know, you just want to watch something that maybe you don't know about, you know, which Mm -hmm. makes it more interesting for you as a result. It's like, yes, you've never played this, you've never maybe even heard of this before, but hey, it's new, it's interesting, and it's cool to watch. And and oft- oftentimes too exciting as well. I always find no matter wh- uh, what uh, kind of sport I'm watching, as long as it's competitive and coming down the wire, it'll always provides some entertainment for me. So yeah, I love that part of, about you watching golf with your grandparents. That's <laughs> so, mm-hmm. it's, it's so relatable and, and it makes so much sense. And it's just so funny too, because it's like, it's just like something you see out of every single comedy show ever. It's yeah. Just somebody watching golf with their grandparents and they're like, what's this? So yeah. Being like six years old and getting like super hyped about a good swing. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, well, anyway, I guess now I'll, I'll go into a more personal kind of um, uh, play atmosphere and ask when you were young as mm-hmm. a child or a young adult, what were some of your proudest or favorite moments when you yourself were playing sports or at least just participating, whether you coached them or played them mm-hmm. just in general when you were involved in sports? I'd say my biggest accomplishment that I still look back on like and feel really proud of myself is my first year competing, like actually going to competitions, competing. I one uh I won first place uh on balance beams at uh national competitions wow and yeah and it was this crazy thing I flew down to Florida for the competition I was there with my teammates and I I really wasn't going in expecting to win because it was my first year competing and I knew that a lot of the girls that I was on the team with and that a lot of the girls on the other teams, they had kind of been at this for a while. And then to walk away with a national title was just incredible. And I, I still look back at that and 
just feel so hmm. proud and think that it's crazy because when it happened when they called my name up for to yeah. go to the podium I started walking to the third place podium because <laughs> I, I didn't hear them say first place and <laughs> the judges just staying there like no come over here <laughs> <laughs> oh that's funny um I honestly don't know why you, somebody would think that but at the same time I guess it, it's kind of a a sense of like um uh I don't know uh humanity or just like decency in a sense it's like you're, yeah. you're even after you've won it you're still underestimating yourself or just I don't know putting yourself in a position you don't think you deserve even though you really do which I totally get you know it's like whenever I play I always I always try not to think too much of what I could do I just try to think of what I need to do mm-hmm. and you know if like if I achieve um great things because of it you know so be it but at the end of the day I don't really care about the awards you know it's just like it's it's just trying to get the experience in and doing what makes me happy so um and um uh just to before i move on i just gotta say hats off to you for doing so well on a balance beam i have terrible balance i could (laughs) never i could never do something like that Mm -mm. i I have terrible balance too which made it even crazier (laughs) yeah no i mean i'm probably the least like uh flexible person you'll ever meet I cannot do a flip I can't do a cartwheel it's <laughs> crazy but hats off to you for being able to do all that and more I guess I guess is what I'm saying um but um I guess um now I'll ask um kind of a more bigger question here you mentioned that you know you played three sports or specifically focused on three sports at various points in your life um, and they are swimming gymnastics and volleyball just to remind everybody and on the surface I'd like to point out those are very, those are three very different sports right there. You know, swimming seems very individual. Gymnastics is individual performance, yet it's scored as a team or you're part of a team at the same time. And then volleyball is extremely team focused. Like it's probably the most team focused sport you'll ever find. And mm-hmm. I guess I'd ask now, why do you think you chose those three sports to pursue? And why do you enjoy most about them as a result? And why is that the case? And I, I guess before you answer, I'd also ask one last thing, which is be, given the fact that I mentioned they're all they're all so different. Does each sport require a different skill set, too? I think that's something a lot of people, including myself, would actually like to know. Yeah. So I'll start with swimming because that was my my first sport. I okay. mean, as soon as I could walk, my parents got me in the pool to start learning how to swim and then. I never was on a swim team or did it as like, I never thought of it as a sport. It was just something I always looked forward to doing. and was always excited to do. And so when I did get the job at the YMCA, it was weird <laughs> learning how to teach swimming because <laughs> it was just something I learned so young and then you just natural. And so you start teaching kids and you're like just do this I don't know why you can't just do this (laughs) so that was that was really interesting and then as far as gymnastics it was when I was a lot younger my parents just wanted me to get into a sport and we happened to have a, a gymnastics facility like right next to their work so they were like mm. perfect you're going there and <laughs> doing summer camps and 
then like you know getting into weekly classes and suddenly going from like okay I'm practicing like two hours a week to now I'm doing like 20 hours a week right and you do that it's a big step up and gymnastics really is it's individual and I find that it's um it's a really unique sport in that you are on a team Mm -hmm. but when you compete you're competing against your teammates because you're all you're all in the same event you're all being scored against each other but yet you're still on the sidelines cheering everyone on because you want to see each other uh like achieve these great moments and so it's funny to be saying they're like oh i want to win first place (laughs) but i'd love to see her win first as well yeah yeah, no, I can relate to you there, actually, because I was a cross-country athlete for my freshman year of high school, and pretty much right there is the same thing, the same phenomenon mm-hmm. occurred, where it's like, you know, we're all competing as teammates, but at the same time, we're literally trying to beat each other to the finish line, so it's like, yeah, it's it's a, it's a weird kind of feeling, you know, you're like, oh, I, I want to get there, I want to win it all, but it's like, oh, I want to help my teammates get there, too. And what's Mm -hmm. harder for me too is in cross country, you don't, the way you help your teammates is kind of difficult because you actually might sometimes need to fall back to help them get up. So, yeah, you know, whereas like in gymnastics, it's all about you in the moment and then you, there's nothing you can do except cheer, but I -hmm. totally get where you're coming from there. And, you know, I think at the same time that that kind of makes it playing the sport itself all the more exciting. You know, it's like, it gives you uh, a new way to look at the sport in general and just, you know, have a new experience for once. Yeah. And it's, it's great. And I'm sure this applies to cross country as well, where when your teammate does better than you, it Mm -hmm. gives you something to work towards. Cause you're like, okay, there's, they're better at this thing than I am. Well, I'm going to get better at it. Absolutely. Cause I want to, I want one up them. And it's just this like, yeah. climbing la- uh you're like climbing a ladder like following each other yeah absolutely i i totally had that feeling myself not that i was out of jealousy or anything it's just i wanted mm-hmm. to try to be the best version of myself and seeing other guys do better than me it only made me want to be just as good of them as them as if not better you know mm-hmm. just to feel like i was contributing the same way they were i think that was actually probably the biggest um part of it you know since you are yeah. technically part of a team, you don't want to be the one keeping the team back. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. I totally get you there. And I guess in terms of speaking of being on a team, I'd, I'll let you finish what I asked earlier. And just why don't you talk about your experience playing volleyball for, for a minute? Yeah. So I joined my, I went to Venice high school for my freshman year and I joined the volleyball mm-hmm. team because I was, really set on playing a sport in high school because my mom did a bunch of sports in high school and I was like I want to do that because she had such a great experience and so we had Mm kind of looked at the list of sports and we both agreed that volleyball was probably going to be the best option and I had never I'd never done it before I'd never really watched volleyball never played it so it was jumping into like the the summer training session 
and not knowing a single thing about the sport and then practicing like every day for three weeks straight and then we get into the school year it was it was crazy getting to actually be like really feel like an integral part of a team which mm -hmm. was it's was hard for me because coming out of a very self-focused sport like gymnastics going into a team sport like that where everything you do is together as a unit and so you gotta be able to move and like communicate that was that was the biggest struggle for me was learning how to communicate during games because there is so much calling out so yeah. when you're when you're going for a ball you have to like claim it when you're playing volleyball you say like i got it my ball like so that you're not like running into <laughs> each other which was the the biggest struggle for me because at the time i really wasn't out of my shell i was still very nervous and shy going into freshman year so mm -hmm. being on this court like surrounded by other teams and like teammates and coaches and having to like be loud and <laughs> be like really aggressive about it was the hardest part yeah no i mean i totally get where you're where you're coming from there you know because because the interesting thing was like you i had to learn volleyball pretty much on the fly when mm -hmm. I first joined my volleyball team in high school. And so as a result, I was kind of, you know, new at it. And I was just coming off playing, uh, running cross country for a year. And so I was trying to learn not to go after everything, you know, communicate more. Although what's interesting I find for me is that um, I'm a quiet person in, you know, normal life. You know, you'll, you'll, you'll often not see me be that very chatty. But interestingly, whenever I'm on a court or a field, I always find I'm probably one of the loudest people there is because I don't want to let nothing go to pass. So it's like, yeah. well, maybe I'm not the best at actually communicating the right things. You'll never hear me be quiet when I need to be loud. Um, but um, I totally get why you, how you mentioned that's so important in volleyball, because I've had plenty of experiences where yeah, exactly. I, I don't speak up or somebody doesn't speak up and there's a collision and, or nobody goes after a ball and mm -hmm. it's just, yeah, it's, it's like, it's a, there's a lot you need to worry about when playing volleyball because if you make one little mistake in the tiniest of split seconds, it'll cost you a game. Um, yeah. But that's what makes it fun at the same time. You know, that's why mm -hmm. I love it. And I'm sure that's why you love it too. It's just, it keeps you on your toes. It keeps you engaged. And speaking yeah. of engaged, actually, I'd like to ask now, Um, you know, sports does a lot to help us all, you know, um, mm -hmm. especially in terms of our physical health. I mean, that's kind of the obvious reason a lot of people try sports. They want to be physically healthy. They want to be strong. They want to be fast. You know, you get the idea. But I guess um, kind of the, one of the reasons I'm actually with you today, I'd like to ask beyond just physical health, how have sports helped you in your life? And maybe in terms of mental health or maybe in terms of just other things besides, you know, how your body feels or stuff like that. Yeah, so... For me, the main thing that sports taught me and helped me with was responsibility and mm. definitely learning how to push through certain things because having like severe anxiety during 
during like my competitive gymnastics years and then going into volleyball, I had really bad anxiety and I had a lot of trouble focusing, but I knew that I couldn't let certain things like uh, really just weigh down on me because you have teammates and you have responsibilities for things you need to do. And so I learned how to, I learned certain coping mechanisms early on where it's like, okay, I just need to, I need to have this set goal and I just need to get through this like one step at a time, which in gymnastics, it was, okay, I just have to finish this routine and then I can sit down and I don't have to like talk to anyone for a bit. And then you get that break and it's like, okay, now on to the next one and you get the break and on to the next one. And then same with volleyball. It's like, okay, I just need to get through this serve. I just need to get through this pass and just then we'll get to halftime and I can go like to a corner and cool down and then come back. And I'd say that's like part coping, like learning how to cope with it. And then a big part responsibility. And because I knew that I couldn't put certain things like on my teammates, it's, Mm -hmm. it has to be like myself working through it so that I could benefit the team as a whole because I don't want to bring down the team I don't want to make it harder for them absolutely no I mean that's the last thing you want if you're being a member of a team and I and I and I see and I totally understand how you would say something like that where you know sports allows you to just you know learn things like responsibility learn how to you know be calm when you're dealing with anxiety it's like I think the biggest um, part of sports that a lot of people miss is the fact that it's not just, you know, the, stu- the, the stuff that it does to your body, but also the stuff that it does to your mind. You know, it helps you to relax. It helps you to focus. You know, it teaches mm-hmm. you things that when you're not even when you're not playing sports can still be very helpful in in helping you get 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 through life, really, whatever challenges it may throw at you, you know, that sports helps you to prepare for that. If albeit indirectly, but still in a way that it, you can re- real, recognize in the moment just how important they really are then. And I, I think at least certainly for myself and certainly for, I think a lot of the best athletes in the world, that's kind of the thing they've come to realize over the course of their careers. Um, but anyway, I guess um, we'll kind of focus a little more on um, the fact that you mentioned you, ha- you deal with anxiety and also the part, the part, the part that I mentioned earlier about how you also were diagnosed recently with ADHD. But before we talk about that, I'd like to give a quick shout out to one of our sponsors. Do you own a classic Mustang, Corvette, Camaro, or Chevelle from the 1960s or 70s? Does the clock in your dash keep accurate time? Do you want to get a new clock for your car, but you don't want to pay 200, 300, or even 500 dollars for a new clock? Well, then go to impactautopartsstore.com for a brand new quartz clock that looks identical to the original and is powered by a single AA battery. All at prices less than half that of a restored clock or a reproduction. Go to the website, impactautopartsstore.com and keep on cruising. Devin, I'll start by 
uh, mentioning the fact that you were recently diagnosed with ADHD, which stands for attention deficit slash hyperactivity disorder. And I'll also point out that we've had guests, other guests on the podcast with that same diagnosis. So I'd be interested in comparing your experience with the other members or other guests on the show we've had who have had ADHD themselves. And I'll start by asking, can you start by telling us the events in your life that led up to you being diagnosed? And, you know, did you or your family sense something was wrong? Um, And how long did it take from the first time you noticed signs until you were diagnosed? And I'll also quickly um, ask before I let you answer, did you even want to be diagnosed with this? Yes, I... I've always struggled with focus and my attention in general. And so when I uh, became an adult, I was like, okay, I want to find out for myself. I actually want to like go to a professional and see what they have to say about this. And pretty, pretty quickly, they were like, well, you are definitely showing all of the signs and symptoms of an adult with ADHD. And then I started talking to my psychiatrist about like growing up in certain things because in elementary school, I had an IEP, which at the time they gave me because uh, of my dyslexia. And so, yeah. And so I, in elementary school and through middle school, I really struggled with reading and it was, it was always very hard. And so having the IEP helped me with reading, but then it wasn't helping with other things because just at the time they contributed my like lack of focus and my like inability to like keep up with coursework, they just kind of bundled that all together saying, oh, it's because of your dyslexia. Mm. And now like years later, talking with a psychiatrist and like speaking with different therapists and they are all saying like, yeah, that could have been a pretty clear sign that, uh, Mm. (laughs) that you had ADHD when you were a lot younger because if you're doing all of the work to help with your dyslexia and it's not helping with the other things, it's a good sign that there's probably something else besides the dyslexia. So Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I can totally see where something like that can become an important um, notion or just an important realization into how, when you connect certain dots together, you come to this conclusion that you may never have come to before and until you made that connection. And so I think that um, demonstrates how, why it's important to, you know, consider these types of things. You know, if you're dealing with this these struggles or you have these types of challenges, it's like you may want to uh, find a, a link between them. And then, and then maybe you can have at least some of your questions answered as to why they're happening and maybe how you can fix it then too. And I think that's the really important part in all this, because obviously, you know, while there are many benefits, I feel at least to dealing with these types of things in the way that it helps you um, 
be yourself and prepare for certain things in life before maybe other people are ready um, themselves. I also think, um, obviously, it's not something easy and you need to, and you often need to find another way or at least something that's not necessarily typical to deal with it and, you know, adjust to it and just, you know, be able to uh, keep yourself in a, in a healthy place. Um, yeah. And I guess um, now I'll ask um, as kind of a follow-up um, when you did receive the diagnosis, were you surprised and were you also maybe disappointed that you were being diagnosed with something um, or were you maybe happy because it validated what you were feeling all along? Like I just said, you know, what mm -hmm. were you feeling? I was so relieved to finally mm -hmm. like have an answer to like to these like questions yeah because you I spent pretty much all of my life dealing with these things and then talking to my friends that weren't having these is issues and just kind of feeling like the odd one out and feeling like oh it's my fault that I can't yeah. focus and that I'm not successful like I'm not a successful student like they are and now being diagnosed and actually getting the treatment to help it I look back on like those times where I felt less than my friends and less than my peers and go it wasn't my fault because I wasn't getting the help and the accommodations that I needed and there really wasn't a way for me to help myself at the time and now being older and actually having a solid diagnosis, I can now learn the specific ways to help myself. And being um, on medication now has helped ah. me so much because I was the original reason I went to my psychiatrist was for mm. my depression and my anxiety. And so I was getting medicated for those things. Right. And then through several sessions and just discussing things with him and being like, kind of, as you said, connecting certain dots where I'm like, well, my medication's not helping with these things. And then eventually being like really tested for ADHD and going through all the lists and finally like settling on a diagnosis. It was mm -hmm. this huge weight lifted off my shoulders where I was like, okay, I finally feel like I'm not like, I'm not faking it. I'm not, it's not me. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's so funny you mentioned how medication has helped you because one of my previous guests, Nikki Redderer, when he was on the show, he, you know, he went uh, so far and so wide, brought in exclaiming how much him taking medication helped him deal with his own ADHD and how it yeah. helped him become such, so, such more successful when he was in school and stuff. And when he was playing, you know, basketball, it's like, it's like, you know, I think, there there is enough out there to prove that at least for some people like yourself and like Nikki that if you do take the right medication to deal with your ADHD it can have a huge impact on making your life easier making your challenges easier to overcome 
just just make making everything easier in general, just letting you um, do the things that make you happy more and just not have to worry about the ha the struggle to do it. Um, and I also think too, going back to your point about how when you were diagnosed to me, it, you know, it was a sense of relief. I totally uh, can relate to you there because when I was diagnosed with my autism, you know, for me, it was it kind of served as not a buffer, but like um, sort of a a fallback to say to myself, okay, Keegan, you deal with this stuff, but you have a reason you deal with it. And maybe it's mm -hmm. not fair, but at the same time, at least, you know, it's there. And at the same time, you know, that you can rely on yourself to still be the right, a good, a good person in what you do. You just need to make sure that you re realize this is a part of your life. And, you know, um, you do need to make sure you're open about that and just aware of it. But at the same time, if you can be those things, it makes everything so much easier as a result. Exactly. Because once you are diagnosed and once you do find out these things, then you can get on medication. And now where we're at in terms of like medicating for these things, it's not it's no longer the two options for ADHD, which were right. Adderall and Ritalin. Like <laughs> so many years ago, like those were your two options and they right. weren't good options for everyone. They worked for some people, but now there's so many more options out there and there's ways to make them work with other medications. So for me specifically, my ADHD medication works really well hand in hand with my antidepressants, which makes mm -hmm. it a really good combination. And it takes trial and error. It's not going to be perfect on the first try. Like no, cause body chemistry is so complicated and yeah. not everybody's built the same. So one set of medication that's going to work for somebody isn't going to work for somebody else. And I think a lot of people going in that are first being diagnosed and are first learning about these things, that's the biggest deterrent deterrent mm. is that they're worried that the medication's not going to work, but that's just, it's a part of life is that certain things are going to work certain things aren't and you just got to keep trying until you find what does work and what does help you. And now like at my school, cause I go to San Monica college, mm -hmm. having this diagnosis, I can actually go to the students with disabilities center and get the tools for success that I need. So I can get extensions on assignments and I can get extra time to do tests. Yeah. And I think more people need to be comfortable actually taking advantage of those things because they're yeah. there for you. They're there to make you successful. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, uh, I have the same thing for myself. And the entire reason I have it is because of my autism. It's like, if I don't know I have it, then I can't get that. But I do. And it's been one of the most helpful things I've ever had um, at my... Um, at my disposal um, during whenever I'm in school um, doing assignments and stuff and tests. Um, and also um, going to your point about how, you know, trying 
these new things while they are uncomfortable it's like it helps you figure out you know what is best for you you know i'll give you an example right now i'm trying to learn how to use contacts instead of my glasses right now Mm -hmm. um and i'll just i'll just be open and say that's not it's not necessarily the most uh comforting experience but at the same time i'm willing to try it just to see if it fits and i think a lot of people you know they if they can just try to you know do these types of things even if it's only for briefly it can it can make them just feel so much better about themselves just mm-hmm. because they know they're testing their their limits and while they may not always go further than they thought at the same time they at least know that they have closure in the fact that they know they're doing the best they can and i always mm-hmm. think that's the best th- feeling you can ever have you know you don't expect obviously to be great at everything or be perfect at everything but if you know you're doing the best you can it it, it lifts a huge weight off your shoulders it really does mm-hmm. and um and by the way before we move on i'd just like to point out while medication can be very helpful to some people with adhd is not for everybody you don't yes. have to do it if you if you don't feel comfortable but at the same time, we're just saying it is a potential solution, but I don't want to endorse it fully. Okay. Yeah, no, medication's not for everybody. That's yeah. why there are like other resources. There are right. other ways of like helping with it as treatment. Yeah. Like I don't use medication for autism, not that there is one out there, but at the same time, I don't need it. And I've had other guests with a- with ADHD who say they don't need it either. So it's mm-hmm. like, or they don't want it. So, you know. There are, there are plenty of ways to, to find a solution to dealing with your ADHD if you have it, okay? Don't, don't feel pressure to pick one and just stick with it. Um, yeah. And I guess um, uh, very quickly before we move on to the next part of, of this interview, um, I'll ask, how do sports specifically and just physical exercise, how have they helped you to better understand or address your challenges with ADHD aside from the medication and the, the, diagnos- the diagnosis? It's been very helpful going into, so I was diagnosed and then I got this job at the YMCA where Mm -hmm. now I'm in the pool every day and teaching and being constantly active. And as a lifeguard, I'm always walking when, (laughs) when I'm on my shift, I usually do about five miles in like every two hours or so because I'm just walking and for me having that constant movement is really great for me because I I find it very hard to sit still if I want to focus so like I mean even right now I'm tapping my foot and I'm being very expressive because I can't I can't just sit and do something so for lifeguarding, it on the outside, it can look as though maybe I'm not paying attention because I am walking and I'm like looking everywhere. But for me, that's how I better focus. And so, and same thing with swimming. It just makes it, I swim for a bit and then I get out of the pool and I feel ready to like do something. And I feel right. like, okay. I've gotten some of this energy out and I have gotten like, I've gotten these endorphins going and I'm ready to actually like focus on a task. Absolutely. You know, 
I'm right with you there. You know, I don't have ADHD, but at the same time, it's pretty impossible for me to sit still for extended periods of time and not, you know, um, or, and still be productive, I guess. Um, because oftentimes whenever I want to think of something that's really important, oftentimes what I'll do is I'll just pace back and forth because it allows mm -hmm. my brain to flow and my mind to process everything and get, get it, uh, get it through and, you know, just find the right, um, uh, answer to all, all, whatever question I'm dealing with, you know, regardless, it's like just moving around. It just, it, it makes me feel so much better. And, you know, obviously the same is true for you too. So I'm with you right there. And I guess now um, I'll, I'll kind of focus a little more on just mental health in general and your experiences with it. But before I do, I'd like to give a shout out to another one of our sponsors. Are you looking to boost your SAT score by at least 360 points? Whether your goal is the SAT, ACT, AP classes, or general test preparation, turn to Sam's Tutoring Company. Sam is a Caltech-educated tutor with over 17 years of experience teaching over 700 students of all ages. Whether you want to learn in person or remotely, Sam is ready to help you accomplish your academic goals. Call Sam's Tutoring Company. If you mention the promo code SPORTSPECTRUM, you'll receive 25% off the price of your first session. So now, Devin, I'll start... Um... I'll start off right now by asking you a very basic question. And this is a question I've asked every single one of my guests so far, because I think it's that important. Mm -hmm. um, and that is when you hear the term mental health, what pops into your head or what does it mean to you? And does that relate to sports for you? And if so, how? Mm -hmm. For me, when I hear the term mental health, the first thing that pops into my head is say like depression, anxiety, disorders like that, because it's my own personal experience. So that's where my mind first goes to. And, but as a whole, there's like, there's so much more to it than just those two things or like just ADHD because mental health, like it's such an all encompassing bubble in terms of like mental awareness, emotional awareness, emotional and mental disorders. So it's, it's so much bigger than just like what I deem as my like go-to, but it's just cause that's my personal experience. So I hear mental health and I go, Oh, my depression, my anxiety, my ADHD, because it's what I relate to. Right. And in terms of sports, I, I really think back to one specific moment during my second year of competing gymnastics. This was my seventh grade year or seventh grade year. And I was in middle school and I remember being in practice and just feeling this overwhelming, just crushing feeling where I just started crying and I didn't know why. And I didn't mm. know like what was happening. And now I know that that was a, um, a panic attack because uh. I felt like I, I couldn't breathe and I couldn't move and, I just think back to like what my coach did for me, which was like, she saw me 
start to shut down and start to like just kind of curl into myself and I was crying and I was embarrassed more so than anything because right I didn't know what was happening I didn't know why it was happening it was the first time I'd ever had a panic attack and it's hard when you're 12 and you're surrounded mm. by your teammates and they're all looking at you and yeah. you feel like every eye in the room is on you and yeah. I just remember my coach like kind of pulling me aside and going here I'm gonna help uh, I'm gonna give you some spotting on these techniques which was actually it was her sort of cover for let's go over here get you some water and sit yeah. down for a little bit without making me feel like right. I was being called out for something. And right. so my teammates weren't like suspicious of what was happening. Mm -hmm. Cause it was just my coach going and give me extra help on some tumbling passes and sitting there. And she, she like sat me down and got me some water and was just like, Hey, what's going on and I told her exactly what I was feeling and she's like it's okay you don't like you don't have to worry about what they're thinking what they're looking at just sit here with me for a bit and then let's just get you breathing if you need to go outside let's go outside let's go get fresh air let's go away from where people are and right for me that was like honestly one of the like turning points where I knew that I wanted to be able to help people the same way that my coach helped me and so when I started teaching and coaching gymnastics I was I was put with the the youngest group of kids because mm. I myself was only 15 at the time so they put me with the like three and four year olds and uh -huh. so when you're dealing with children that young, there are a lot of emotions that they don't know how to control. Because at that age, like children don't know what they're feeling. They don't have names for that yet. And they don't have like, uh, like ways to cope with such big emotions. And so for me, I was able to take my experience with how my coach helped me with these emotions and feelings that I didn't have a name for and didn't understand and translate that into how to help like these little kids that were struggling with the same sort of thing that I was at the time. And I've just taken that with me from teaching gymnastics to now teaching swim class because I used to be embarrassed by the thought of this but now I'm like no it's it's not embarrassing to relate to people in this way in that my attention span and my anxiety are very close to the same feelings and the same attention as a like three and four year old so I'm better able to, I'm better able to help them because I recognize in myself that I'm having the same feelings as them. And I have the same 
attention and focus issues that they do. So it's just made me more patient as a teacher. Absolutely. You know, I always find that whenever I'm out of sorts for whatever the reason is, whether I know it or not, I always find that having somebody by my side who, you know, it's like they're not necessarily agreeing with my feelings, but at the same time, they're willing to, you know, be patient. They're willing to let me let it out almost mm -hmm. in and just, you know, say, you know, hey, you're going through this, you know, you're allowed to go through this, you know, just don't don't worry about the other people who might be um, concerned about this or, you know, mm -hmm. um, talking about this. It's just like, let's focus on you right now and how you feel. That's the only thing that matters right now. It's a really comforting feeling, you know, especially when you're when you're so out of it. Mm -hmm. so and just you know I'm I'm very pleased to hear that you're you're allowing yourself to uh, bring that um experience down to the littlest of kids who like you said you know it's like they don't know how to how to deal with these feelings it's like they've never ha had a chance to deal with them before so if you can provide some helpful insight that surely can only help them you know help themselves mm -hmm. and eventually help other people too because that yeah, yeah I think there's a there's a knock on effect to all this and it only makes things better for everybody. So mm -hmm. I guess now um, I'll kind of stay in that focus of you um, coaching younger kids and um, bring up the fact that, you know, you coach and train in both swimming and gymnastics. And as a result, I'll ask how often do you come across athletes or coaches where you believe they had some type of mental or emotional condition? whether it was autism, ADHD, bipolarity, anxiety, depression, et cetera. And were there any specific people that stuck out to you or made an impression? And if so, why was that the case? And what were maybe the challenges and things that made them, you know, so great? Because mm -hmm. obviously you wouldn't coach them unless you saw something in them. Yeah, I, there have been several times that like, a kid has really stuck out to me where I see so much of my own behaviors in them. And the hardest part about like, and this is why non-professionals don't really like, you're not diagnosing people. You're not going around going, I would never go to a parent and be like, Hey, pretty sure your kids got yeah. this or that because right. In children, it's so hard. It's so hard to point out or figure out what's just natural energy and lack of focus and what is a like ADD, ADHD, anxiety. But I can say that definitely when I was coaching gymnastics and I was doing specifically summer camps, and I was seeing the same kids six hours a day, five days a week for three months straight, you start to, you definitely start to notice more, okay, what's their normal behavior and what is standout things. And I can distinctly remember three kids that really stuck out to me as, okay, they aren't listening, like they would seem like they weren't listening to right. a word I'm saying. They're 
looking over there and I'm over here trying to teach them. But then when I get down to like, okay, time to do it. And <laughs> they just have it. They just be able to do it. And I realized they are listening. They are paying attention, but they can't sit still and look at me and do like, do what the other kids are doing. And so when you kind of realize that, then I started figuring out ways to catch these kids' attentions. Like we'd, I'd have the kids like pick out um, a gym buddy, which we had this mm. huge bucket of like uh, just stuffed animals. And so I'd have them mm. like anytime I'd be teaching something and like saying stuff that was important, I'd have them go grab a gym buddy and be like, okay, you got to listen to what I'm saying so that you can tell your gym buddy how to do it. So it's like, I'm going to tell you, and then you're going to repeat it. And that's how yeah. we're going to get this through. Yeah, absolutely. No one. And, and ironically enough, it's like when you, when you talked about how there were those kids who would, um, you know, just stare off and, you'd be like, okay, it seems like they're not paying attention, but then, you know, once it's time to go to work, it's like, they, they, you know, are clearly, they stick out among the rest. It's like, you realize, oh, they were listening all along. They just maybe didn't, um, they weren't necessarily locked or just like, you know, focused on, um, you know, your visual, they just want They just knew they, they only need to take in what you were saying. They didn't need to look at what you were doing. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's that's kind of personal because um, I myself have been guilty of that many times where somebody's talking and I'll listen with full ears and hear everything they say and take it all in and process it correctly. But at the same time, that doesn't necessarily mean I'll look at them just because mm-hmm. maybe I want to focus on the other details in the room, you know, like what are the other where are the other people looking, you know, um, what are they can, what's the setup like, you know, all that stuff. It's, it's just kind of a natural instinct. And at the same time, well, it doesn't discredit my, my ability to do what I'm there to do. It just means I do it a little differently, but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm any worse, you know, in some ways I could be even better. So mm-hmm. I guess now I'll ask in your, um, that specifically in your interactions with these athletes that you talked about, um, for the last couple minutes, um, do you ever make any adjustments in how you interact with them? And do you ever use your own experiences with ADHD to alter how you interact with them too? Yes, of, of course. I mean, teaching and coaching, you have to be willing to adapt your, like your methods because not every kid is going to be the same. They're not all going to respond to the same thing. And so learning my groups and learning my kids that are in my lessons, it, it really dictates like how the day is going to go, how the lessons are going to go. And so if I notice that a kid has a problem with like, being touched or being held and they're just more sensitive to it then we have to figure out different ways of learning the uh the skills in which I'm not going to be helping them as much 
but I still have to be there to make sure they don't get hurt. Or a kid that doesn't listen and is more of a visual learner, then I'm not going to be talking as much. I'm more going to be demonstrating myself or using like other people to demonstrate so that they can watch. And same goes for an auditory listener. If I notice that they're definitely retaining the information, but they're not looking at me when I'm showing it, then I know that, okay, they're listening to me and they're listening to what I'm describing. So I don't have to worry about like, if I'm actually showing them how to do it, if I describe it and I can give good enough instructions, they'll get it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I find that um, when I'm interacting with somebody who maybe doesn't know what, what my natural instincts are sometimes, it certainly helps for me to explain it to them or for, or, you know, when I'm interacting with somebody who deals with their own challenge, unique challenges, it's like, it helps to, you know, look at them a little differently, not in a bad way, just, you know, it's like, say to them, Hey, you know, I, I want to help you, but you need to help me a little bit. You need to tell me what makes you feel the most comfortable so I can provide that environment. And so as a result, I, I try to do that for myself. And I try to help others do that for themselves too, because I, I find it makes everybody um, feel better about themselves, ironically, mm -hmm. but also just put, put, puts everyone in a better place overall to, so that they feel they can do more to, for themselves and for each other. So, you know, I, I guess I'll, I'll tip my hat off to you there for having that perspective when you're coaching um, these types of athletes. Um, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And I guess um, I'll, I'll close off here by asking another question, ironically, that I ask every guest, but this one I always ask to close because I, I, I ironically think it's the most important and, and just the, the biggest, uh, the question with the biggest pic picture and potential here, which is that obviously over the course of time, a lot of progress has been made in recent years on um, dealing with ADHD, dealing with autism, dealing with all of these types of conditions, you know, the list goes on and on you know, a lot of progress has been made, you know, people know how to address them, whether it be with medication, whether it be with, you know, therapy, doesn't matter there. Uh, stuff has gotten done. But at mm -hmm. the same time, there can still be a stigma associated with mental health issues. It's existed forever. And it still does. And it always will probably. Mm -hmm. But obviously, we want to try and lower that stigma as best we can. And so as a result, I'll ask, what is the one thing that you want someone listening to this podcast to know about your experiences with mental health that maybe they should understand or appreciate more as a way to help them deal with their own challenges or help others deal with those challenges? Mm -hmm. I, I would say always, and this comes back to what I said before, always be willing to adapt. You're mm -hmm. going to meet so many different people in your life and you're going to experience so many different things yeah. and not everything and not everyone is going to react or do things the same way that you do. And this comes down, like it comes back to mental health that if you meet someone and they're maybe dealing with things differently than you are, and you don't even have to, you don't have to know like, what it is they're dealing with you have to be willing to adapt to make 
the environment conducive for both of you. And if you're dealing with someone, dealing with something, be willing to open up about it because you're not going to get the help that you want or that you need unless you speak up because it isn't a very widely known thing. Certain disorders and certain things, they're not fully out there yet. Not every regular person that you meet on the street is going to know how to like help you with things related to ADHD or your depression or your anxiety or your whatever it is you're dealing with because you can't expect every person you meet to know what you're going through. The only way they're going to be able to help you and in turn like help yourself is if you can communicate about it. And it doesn't even have to, you don't have to come out and say, I have this. Just start small. Say, I struggle with uh, keeping my focus on you. Is it okay if I tap my foot? Is it okay if I have something like in my hand while we're talking? And that way you're easing in to being honest about yourself. Cause you don't have to, you don't meet somebody and go, hi, my name is like <laughs> Devin. I have ADHD. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not cause it's not necessary. As long as you're, uh, honest with your, uh, with your needs, people will adapt and people will learn more by everybody being honest about what they're going through and what they need. That's the only way we can grow and for mental health to be less stigmatized is if we all start communicating and we all start talking about what we need, what we're going through, maybe what the people around us are going through and what they need. Absolutely. You know, you know it's really interesting because I've found over the course of my own experiences that even though it's oftentimes, ironically, the hardest thing for people who deal with these types of challenges to do, communication can be the, the, the single largest thing that can have a, a positive impact on those types, on the, the people who deal with those challenges. If they are just willing to take the time to communicate what they're going through with others, as hard as that might be for them, mm -hmm. um, you know, it can have such a great impact on their lives going forward because then they're able to, um, you know, feel better about being themselves and feel others and make others feel better about them being themselves. It's like, it makes everybody feel better if they, if, if they're all willing to communicate. And then, like you said, also just be willing to adapt too. Mm -hmm. you know, one of my favorite sayings is the only constant in life is change. And the fact of the matter is, you know, people are always changing. And the only way you're gonna continue to be happy for all that change is if you adapt to it all. Mm -hmm. You know, I, another saying I love is like, I play basketball. And, you know, one of the most annoying things about playing basketball is the refs can sometimes um, be really difficult with you. But a good coach always tells his players, you know, the refs aren't going to adjust the way they ref, you have to adjust the way they ref you. you mm -hmm. know? 
So it's like, you know, it, it, it's all about, you know, making the necessary adjustments and adaptations that can really determine how happy you are and how happy others are. But mm -hmm. if you're willing to take the time to communicate and just do all that stuff, it has a great impact on everybody. It really does. Yeah. Well, I guess um, very briefly before we go, I'll, I'll quickly ask um, to finish. Um, you know, is there anything you're left thinking, feeling, or wondering as a result of our conversation today? Are there any topics that you feel could be addressed um, that might be helpful to professional college, high school, or just younger athletes out there? Yes. So what I would like to address is something that would, I think, benefit athletes, which is what I want to say is for the coaches, because mm -hmm. as an educator, I have to go through so much training. I have right. to, I have to do my online courses for like sexual harassment and yeah. child development. I have to go through these courses. And I have to refresh them every year the same way that like hmm. I would refresh my lifeguard certification. Right. Through my years of teaching and doing these courses, there is a real lack of addressing mental health and hmm. addressing these like anything regarding mental health because it's just not it's not talked about and coaches would benefit so much from having to say take a course like the ones that we already do but have it focused on how can you help an athlete that's going through anxiety how can you help your athlete that maybe is struggling with depression and that's not as a coach, you're not saying they're going, I can fix them. It's how can you make their practice and your team conducive to like a successful environment for people that are struggling with these things. And that's just, I wish more coaches would put in the time and the effort to learn about these things, even outside of requirements because right now it's the only reason I know about it is because I'm dealing with it and it's my personal experience and I want to be able to pass on what I know onto the people that I'm teaching and I think more coaches need to be ready and ex like willing to jump in to something that's not required of them in order to have more successful athletes and to make teams and practices and sports in general more inclusive to every kind of athlete. Absolutely. No, I mean, I always find the best coaches are the ones who know their players best. And that doesn't just mean they know what they're capable of. They also know what the players themselves are going through um, what their lives are like, you know, what, just like who they are as people, because mm -hmm. honestly, it's like, you can have the best athletes in the world on your team. It means nothing if you don't know who they are, because then you don't know how to use them and mm -hmm. you know, how to, how to work with them. It's like the whole thing falls apart. So I think I definitely agree that if, you know, we can build 
um, more awareness about um, what a lot of people go through in terms of mental health and all from the bottom up, it makes everything um, become so much easier and just so much better for everybody in terms of the overall sports experience, whether you're coaching or playing them. It just makes everybody get along better. It makes everybody, you know, play or coach better. Just just makes everybody better people and better athletes. Yeah. All right. Yeah, no. Well, Devin, I'd like to say thank you so much for um, for sharing your insights and stories with our audience today. Um, you know, I think they all greatly enjoyed hearing all your stories and all your experiences, and I'm sure they'll take it to heart about what your advice can help them out with as they go through um, their own uh, experiences and challenges with um, mental health. And, you know, I think um, you being with us today had has had a very positive impact on um, everybody um, um, with us today. And just, you know, it'll be a big builder and uh, our continued uh, journey towards a, a better world um, um, of mental health awareness. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for having me on the show. And I think it's really amazing what you're doing with this podcast. And I think it's going to benefit so many people. Well, thank you very much. I, I certainly hope so. You know, there's, there is a reason I'm doing this and I want to try and have it be as broad and as uh, excessive and just um, enjoyable as possible for everybody. That's the whole point of this. But um, thank you for that compliment. I really appreciate it. And I also want to say thank you to our subscribers and listeners for joining us today. If you're looking for more great content like today's interview, like today's interview then please go to our website at www.sportsinthespectrum.net. And then for all my younger listeners and subscribers out there, please remember to follow the three rules of life, which are stay safe, have fun, get dirty, and I will see you all on the next episode of Sports on the Spectrum.